Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Koslowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. And same applies to any professional who may appear on the OG Therapy Podcast. Welcome to the OG Therapy. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of OG Therapy. I've got Jason Hewlett with me. Jason, what's up, man? How you doing? Looking good I'm, in the black, brother. Here we go. I know. We're both wearing uh, black shirts. Well, you know it is. You know what I mean? It's like, for a guy, it's like our version of the, the black dress, right? You know, just if I wear a black t-shirt, uh, it looking good. hides the dad bod a little bit. Would you agree? Dad bod. Hides yeah. the six pack. <laughs> Or uh, what's just the keg? I think I've got closer <laughs> to a keg than a six pack right now. Yes, yep. So right now it's uh, Mr. Hewlett and I. We're going to be answering uh, a parent question. And just a little thank you to all the parents who attended the uh, Fight Like a Mother conference sponsored by NAMI on Saturday that I had the privilege and pleasure to speak at. And I just want to thank everybody for coming on out. That was a great time, a lot of fun, and a lot of great information. I, you know, I learned some things too just by listening to people talk as well. So thank you to everybody for showing up for that. Now let's let's jump into this question, Jason, because we haven't answered a question like this before. In fact, I've never answered a question like this because I've had questions that were similar, but I like how this parent um, is concerned. Uh, and this is probably more of wouldn't you think, Jason? This is probably a question's more relevant after COVID, like after the pandemic. Oh, a million percent. Yeah. Cause there's I, some people that have kids that are really smart, really intelligent, and they learn that they don't really have to show up to everything and they could just kind of do things last minute, do just a little bit of work. And Jason, and I know what happens when you have a lot of talent at something, how much of a trap that can be. It can be <laughs> a, 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 a unfair version of reality. They're like, Oh, I'm so amazing at this thing. I don't have to prepare. I don't have to practice. I just show up. Doves dress me when I wake up in the morning. I walk <laughs> through. Rose petals are thrown out for me. Dun, 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 dun. You know, the horns and the trumpets come out, and I walk in, and everybody's just graced by my presence. Unbelievable. I wondered how you felt every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, technically, it's not doves that are dressing me. It's probably more like ravens. They're poking at me. Raven. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, man, I I find this one interesting, especially because I just got off a podcast with someone who's interviewing me, and it was a gal from my past, and she and I grew up together. We went to kindergarten all the way through high school. In fact, I took her to prom, and sure. we have just reconnected after all these years, even though you know our families are friends for years, yeah. and I remembered on the podcast, I said, wait a minute you never missed a day of school, did you? And she laughed and she goes, oh, you're right. She goes, I got an award from the district for never having missed one day of school from kindergarten through the end of high school. Shut up. And I Are was you like, serious? is that even possible? I know. That's what I said. I said, is that for real? She goes, yeah, I got that award at the end of each year. I got a never missed a class until the very end. I had never missed. And I was like, that's got to be some kind of record because that that made me laugh when I thought about this question I was going to ask you because it's the opposite. Opposite. Yep. <laughs> anyway, here's the question. What is the solution for a child who gets really good grades because they can get the work done online but doesn't want to attend school in person? 
we want them there in person to have the school and social experience, but they want to sleep in. Mm. That's the question. What do we do with that person? Great question. And the first thing you want to do is I'm not joking, even though it's going to sound like a joke at first. Um, you have to be better at manipulating them. Ah, uh, what do you mean? <laughs> well, I, lots of times parents will come to me and say, Hey, you know, I'm trying to get my kid to go to school. Usually not in this situation. It's usually like they don't do work. They don't do anything. And uh, they say, you know, we've listened to your podcast. We've listened to uh, some things you've talked about and other things that people have said, and we've tried everything. We just can't motivate them to get going to school. And I said, you've tried everything, right? I said, okay. I said, well, tell me all the things you've tried. And I noticed really quickly that the parents tried everything that they feel comfortable offering to their kid as a motivational tool, as I call healthy manipulation. And okay. I said, okay. So what you're saying is your, your child, this one particular case I'm thinking of, it was actually after a speaking event. And I said, okay, so what you're telling me is that your son has no interest whatsoever that you could possibly manipulate. They're like, no, we've tried to offer money. We've tried to say, if you do, if you go to school X amount of days, we'll get you a new bike. We'll get you this. We'll get you that. I go, so there's nothing. He just sits in his room, meditates, focuses on his chi, and just tries to work on levitation. Like he does nothing. She goes, well, no. I mean, the problem is he just sits in his, in his room, plays video games all day. I go, oh. oh, so he does do something. Well, nothing <laughs> that we want him to do. I said, oh, okay. I said, uh, have you ever tried to use video games to manipulate him? No, all of our fights are about video games. We're trying to take it away from him, and we're doing everything in our power to stop him from playing video games. I said, oh, well, in that case, you're not very good at manipulation, are you? Mm. Healthy yeah. manipulation, of course, is what I'm referring to. Manipulate just means to tweak or change something. So we manipulate our kids all the time when they're young, day one just to get them to do anything, right? Like oh, yeah. I've told this story once before on the podcast, but told my kid, hey, don't play on the street, give you candy. Wife didn't like it, he's gonna get cavities. I'm like, but he'll be alive to get those cavities. She's like, okay, you won this argument for now. <laughs> my point was, I knew my son loved these gummy snacks. I knew my wife, cause she's such a health freak, rarely gave him gummy snacks. So for him to get a gummy snacks, it was like, oh, it's like the heavens open. And he was just like, just like me when I was a kid, I will do anything for gummy snacks. <laughs> I'll still do anything for gummy snacks. I'm totally honest. The point is <laughs> my wife didn't want to use the thing that motivated him. And these people didn't want to use the thing that motivated him because in our minds, we draw lines in the sand and we say, I will not be a parent that condones or allows my son to play video games. And I, and this person basically said that I said, Oh, so he saved up all of his money working on chores to buy the Xbox for himself. No, we bought it for him. Okay. Well then technically you have been supporting the addiction a little bit. You have been supporting the issue. Maybe there's a way we can manipulate this to your advantage, to your benefit. I know. And, uh, the, for some of you guys out there that have heard of the martial art jujitsu, uh, in translation, it means the gentle way. So it's a martial art that focuses on, hey, why don't you use someone else's aggression and energy against them so they get tired, they exhaust themselves, and then you stay calm and composed. And in jujitsu, it's a war of attrition. Well, I would argue in parenting, it's also a war of attrition. If they can beat you down with the request with the, I'm not going to go and make it so painful for you to try to get them to go to school, you tap out. Mm 
as a parent. So that's uh-huh. a war of attrition. You're using, you care about their education more than they do. Now, at extreme situations, parents will tell me, well, I've tried everything. I said, okay, so have you um, got them a new place to live, to stay with a family member, those types of things or talked about it? No, I, I couldn't do that because, because, and they kind of scratch the surface for like answers, but I've never had a parent come up with a good answer. See, their fear is that no one else can help their son or child the way that they can, yet they can't help them by themselves. So I'm glad that these parents would ask this question. So back to this question about someone who's who gets the homework done, gets those things done. I want you to think about your kid not going to school as doing the schoolwork is not a struggle for your child. Going to school and being around people in social situations, that seems to be the struggle. So my advice is always, how can we find and then insert purposeful struggle into our kids' lives? then how can we find the right things to motivate them and manipulate them to get what you want? I tell my wife all the time, you come home and you ask me, why didn't you do the dishes? Why didn't you do this? Yes, if it sounds like the roles are reversed in my family, they are. I talk about feelings for a living. I don't use my body on a day-to-day basis. My wife works out like six times a day as part of her profession. So when she comes home, she's actually tired. For me, I'm just tired of talking. That's all. So she's like, why didn't you do the dishes? You promised you're going to do them yesterday and this day. And if she starts laying into me, you know what I want to do? I want to go sleep upstairs in my man cave and I want to pout and I want to mope and I don't want to do anything. But when my wife comes home and says, hey, sweetheart, how was your day? We start talking and say, hey, listen, I know you've had a long day. I've had a long day too. But you know what would just make me so happy? And she grabs me by the arm and cuddles up against me. He's like, if you would do those dishes. I'm like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot to do the dishes. I'm so sorry. I'll go do the dishes. I told my wife how to manipulate me. She's like, well, I'm just doing what you tell me to do. I'm like, trust me, it will work. Really good, healthy manipulation. It's like, I'm still waiting. Like, everybody loves a compliment. Even if you don't like someone, if they give you a compliment, you're like, oh, okay, whatever. But you're not going to say, no, I will not accept said compliment. <laughs> okay, they got me. That was a good one. You know, they've been paying attention to what I've been doing. All right, <laughs> I'll take their compliment, okay? So in regards to the kid that doesn't want to go to school, I can pretty safely assume that there are some social challenges. And after the pandemic, like we were talking about, Jason, this kid's probably had a hard time engaging back in the social fight, engaging back at school. So just after what I've said right now, Jason, and you've heard me talk about this stuff so much, not what do you think about what I said? Because that's usually what I ask you. So Jason and I have been working for a long time together now. At least it seems like a long time for Jason because I'm not an easy person to work with. Very complex. (laughs) Uh-huh. But we've been working together long enough that I'm always asking Jason questions now. Like, how would you address this? Like, what social health approach would you see? And I've already set it up with the manipulation, finding out what motivates them, using that to do the manipulation. So just hear what I'm saying. How do you think in this scenario, if you're talking to this mom, what is a way that she could possibly, and these could be random ideas because we don't know her kid, Right. What are some ways that have worked for you or what are some ways you think that might be healthy manipulation to get this kid back in the game of social? Because after the pandemic, there's a good chance that the struggle of going out and be social is painful. It's hard. And so this kid's probably avoiding it because it makes him feel uncomfortable, painful. Even if it's just getting up early in the morning can be excruciatingly painful because a lot of kids don't want to go to social situations they're unsure about, let alone want to wake up at 6 a.m. to get ready to go to a bad social situation. So Jason, some thoughts from you. 
Yeah, I didn't know you were going to go this direction with it. I, you know, because as a dad who has children that have gone through some of these things and essentially every parent I talk to has kids happening with this problem, I would say that a majority of people are figuring out the the best ways to threaten and do the if then game. Yep. You know, keeping score. I did these things for you, so you got to do this for me. Yeah. And then they're mostly like taking away their, let's say it's a high schooler that can drive the family car. They're taking away the car keys. They're taking away their phone. They're taking away their privileges. They're, they're kind of just removing things from their life until they do what they say. And so this, this kind of intelligent manipulation is a different direction than I was expecting to go. I thought you were going to go parent teen agreement you know, and going back to that and making sure that's in place so that we can reestablish the boundaries and rules. If I'm, if I'm thinking along the lines of what does mom do in this case, I mean, I'm almost kind of baffled because I'm like, well, I could think of manipulation, but what is the parenting agreement already in place so that the kid understands what needs to be? Because, because on, in my world, if I'm just comparing it to mine, yeah, my kids don't have the social issue that the social is like that's their thing so yeah that's that way you need to reel them back on (laughs) yeah i'd be like well why the heck wouldn't you want to go and it's mostly just for sleep yeah and just laziness you know so yeah you threw a curveball at me man i i don't even i'm kind of baffled here as to what i would do well let's do this why don't i just help you because you have the answers it's there but i did catch you off guard i didn't tell you i was going to do that but this is part of the training so Jason, in a short period of time, will be such a highly effective social health tool user that, I mean, I'm saying this sincerely. This is why we talk to people about this stuff, because as you start working with them more, then you can say basic concepts that are effective can be applied in multiple disciplines and multiple relationships, multiple situations. You just got to see which which tool in the bag is the best one to start with that can then lead to other life experiences and other things that you've worked with that have worked in the past, right? So the reason why I didn't jump out with the parenting partnership agreement, because I'm taking this from a parent of they're frustrated. Because by the way, I could have answered it that way. You're absolutely right. But I've answered that way a lot of times. So I just thinking, let's say this is a mom. She's fed up. She's tired. She's, she's met the max. She doesn't want to do a parenting agreement. She feels like this is unfair. This is not right. Well, then in this situation, I want this mom to see mom, dad, Whoever it was, I can't remember who you said uh, asked the question. I don't I think this... it's either. It's either, so you can choose. Okay, so um, so in in this scenario, I'm imagining in my mind that type of a, a parent, excuse me, who's stressed out, right? And they're not really having the patience to start an agreement. They're tired. They're done with it. I want that parent to see you are trying an approach that has effectively not worked for a long time. Like right. you've. You've been very effective in not doing a healthy approach, an approach that works to your kids getting to school. If you can find ways to manipulate your kid that could make them feel bad for not even going to school, that's a good start. See, the level of success that I'm looking for is based in reality. There is no silver bullet that says, if I offer this one thing, then my kid's now going to be motivated to go to school. What you want to do is you want to pick someone something that can motivate them to try to engage in school again with the expectation that they're going to want to quit, tuck tail, as soon as it gets hard, 
even if they're properly motivated, they have the habit of surrendering, tapping out and giving up. So if you, what you choose, actually they fail and they confess to you that they feel bad, that they know they should have gone, they could have gone, but they were just lazy and they slept in. That's a win towards the end game in and of itself. That's like if we're, since I'm using the martial art analogy a lot, in a, the martial art that I do jujitsu, uh, you start out as a white belt, then you go to blue, then you go to purple, brown, and black. At white belt, you're not expecting people to do certain things. You're expecting the people to learn certain concepts, how to move their body differently. You wouldn't expect a white belt that's only been training for five, six months to do black belt moves and have black belt type of skill level. You just wouldn't expect that. But if they don't build a foundational structure of what is important to follow through, how you have to commit to things, how your reputation is so important, then those things can lead to their advancements in their other belts. So for a mom, for, for you, I want you to think, Jason, I want you to think, what's something that this mom could do to motivate him that could actually, if he screws up, she doesn't hold his feet to the fire. She says, okay, well, we're going back to the way it was. We tried something different, but you're taking advantage of it. Instead, she can just say, hey, you know, like, can I ask you a question? Son says, yeah. You went to school three days this week, but there's five days of school. The other two days that you didn't go, we've never talked about this before, but I'm curious to know when you didn't go to those days, was it as easy as for you to just sleep in? Just go, oh, I didn't go. Who cares? And like, oh, yeah, and I'm going to really give it to my mom and I hope this hurts her feelings and ruin her day. Or was there some point where you realized you slept in, you didn't go, and you actually felt bad? Usually, if it's approached right, the kids will confess no, I, I did feel bad. See, they're so used to playing defense of your attacks as a parent to defend their way of life because people are protective of their way of life, especially if you're asking them to do something hard to change, even if it benefits them. So when I've had parents ask their kids that, the kids, I, I do feel bad. I, I didn't mean to disappoint you, mom. I'm not trying to do this. That conversation heals the mother's anxiety and worry so it's more manageable and not so fearful that my kid's going to be homeless, my kid's never going to have a job. Because let's face it, as parents, we have a tendency when we're emotional to go to those extremes. All right, now they're going to be barefoot and pregnant at 16 years old. They're going to do exactly what my auntie did or their cousins did, and they're going to get addicted to drugs. It's so easy to just let this go into worst-case scenario for a parent. But when parents hear their kids say, no, mom, I'm sorry, or even in some cases, the kids will come to the parents and like, mom, I, I know I'm not going to get this privilege. I know I'm going to lose out time that we've talked about, but I do really feel bad. I, I wasn't trying to sleep in. As a parent, Jason, doesn't that mean something for you as a parent when your kid shows remorse and feels bad generally and acknowledges their mistake? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a huge deal. That's a big win for the family. And it's a big thing for the kid to be able to talk about that with the parent. And, you know... Uh, I think that a lot of the time, me as the parent, I'm coming at these questions where I'm I'm thinking questions versus statements, those types of things that you talk about so much, that I'm almost like, I don't know if the questions I'm asking are just meant to be manipulating, or, you know, they sometimes I fall into sarcasm and, and trying to make it funny, and that whole piece, and that's where I get into big trouble, you know, where I'm like trying to make a trying to make it fun or a joke of it. Or, and then they, they don't think I'm being nice or I'm 
being rude to them. And so, yeah, I, I fall into these kind of challenges as well, but I, I'm sure when the kid gets a sincere question from a parent that's really grappling with this and really starts to see from the kid's point of view, that's got to be a huge deal. Another little, uh, another little trick is to bring the kid's friends involved. So if your really? kid has a couple friends, let's say uh, the one parent I'm thinking of, kid had some friends that would come over and game with them. They would hang out, right? Kid didn't want to go to school that often. And I told the mom, I said, here's what you want to do. Next time the kid comes over, I go, do you like the friends? Like, yeah, the friend's a pretty good friend. Seems to go to school more than my son. Tell the kid, say, hey, listen, um, I want you guys to enjoy playing your video games right now. And I'm sorry, son, uh, if this embarrasses you, but I'm hoping maybe your friend could probably have some words of wisdom to you. Maybe they could talk some sense into you when I can't. Um, here's the deal. You guys are going to play video games. You're going to enjoy yourself. But my son can't play video games, can't have the internet, anything connected for his devices until he goes to school. He goes to school, he gets to play video games that day. He doesn't go to school, everything's shut off. So I'm not the bad guy. I'm just telling you, maybe you could talk some sense into him to help him get up and go to school so you guys can hang out and play. Instantly, the friend looked at him. The mom said, my son was like, well, mom, wait, that's so unfair. And the friend looked at him and was like, are you serious? Like, dude, if I didn't go to school, my parents would do worse than that. They would sell my Xbox. So he started to over like be like, Hey man, like, is this ridiculous? So that peer pressure from a friend can be helpful as well too. Peer pressure is not necessarily bad. Just like manipulation is not necessarily bad, right? Sometimes we have to use gentle persuasion, which is the type of manipulation I'm using, offering choices, bringing friends involved. The old school way of like, um, when you, um, had a, like a, what's that called a, an intervention yeah. intervention sometimes can be a nightmare but the, the psychology behind it is if there's enough people talking to you saying the same thing, maybe it'll sink in, right? So bringing friends involved, bringing auntie and uncle involved so that usually kids will say, well, my parents being mean, they're being unreasonable. They're not cool. They're making me do this. Make me, school stupid. Why'd I have to go to school? They try to make it about other things. But if you say, listen, you could have a better life if you just do the simple thing that's maybe hard for you and I, you don't want to do it. But if you do this, you give yourself freedom. I know there's a book uh, out, um, a lot of people have read it by Jocko Willing. It's called um, Discipline Equals Freedom. It's a very basic, simple concept. And this is kind of a very child, like very teenage version of it, is giving our kids the opportunity to say, listen, going back to the question, I would, I'm just making this one up on the fly. So whoever asked that question, I'm not, don't say, don't literally do what I'm saying. The disclaimer says this is not therapy because I don't know your whole situation. Yep. What I would do is I would do some A-B testing, throw a couple things out there with your kid. So I tell you what, you got that old Xbox, you know, it'd be a lot cooler if you had that new PS, that new PlayStation. Well, yeah, it would be cooler, but you would never buy that for me and that's too expensive. Oh, I would never buy that for you. By the way, timeout guys, you need to shock your teenagers with say ridiculous things that catch them off guard because that's the world that they live in. They don't want to hear the same words that you've been saying over and over again. Like, oh, this is a trap. My mom's trying to manipulate me. But you say, yeah, see, that's where you're wrong. I would not only be willing to buy you that new console, I'd buy you the new console and a game to go with it of your choice, of your choosing. You will not let me buy my game that I want because you don't like those games. No, 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 no. I'm so willing to get you to school that I'm willing to give you something that will motivate you. You'll have a game that your friends will be jealous of. You'll have a council your friends will be jealous of. They'll all want to come over and play at our house. 
All you got to do is you got to agree to do something for me. So instead of talking about the parenting partnership agreement, we're working on parenting partnership negotiation and language. Nice. Now, giving your kid a choice really helps overcome a lot of teenagers' favorite saying is, well, I don't have a choice. I have to. Technically, you always have a choice, Jason. Someone could pull up to your car, put a gun to your head, say, give me your money. You could try to hit the gas and hope they don't shoot you in the head. I wouldn't suggest that. But to say you don't have a choice in that situation is actually not true. You do have a choice. You don't have to give them your wallet. I wouldn't advise that choice. Same thing with our kids. You don't have to go to school. I always joke around with kids like, you don't have to do anything. You're an American. You live in America. You don't got to do nothing. And you don't always get to choose your consequences when you do something. And you don't always get to choose your rewards when you do it as well. So instead of thinking this is unfair that you have to go to school or uh, fair or not fair, let's just put it this way. Let's not talk about what I want as a kid for you. Let's not talk about what you want right now. Let's talk about making a deal. That is healthy manipulation. Giving them options, making them a deal. And then when they fail to follow through with that deal, don't pull the rug out from underneath them. Say, okay, see, we're going back to the old way. I'm just taking your counsel, doing everything. Say, okay, you screwed up this week. Let's run it back again. Let's see if we can do it again next week. Making incremental progress to take a kid that is so resistant to going to school after the pandemic and everything, and then just trying to get them to go to school when they're getting good grades, that's a tough sell. Because a lot in education, I can say this as a teacher, maybe not all teachers agree with me, a lot of education, there's a lot of pressure to get kids passed and to make it easier for them, even if they don't show up. But if you ask any administration, they live and die by if they can get kids in the seats. They don't have jobs if kids aren't there. That's like if you own a fitness club, it's like, we got the most beautiful club, but we don't have anyone signed up as a membership. Like you got to put them in the chairs. They got to be in that. And then also as a parent, you know, your kids, you don't want your kid to be isolated playing video games all the time. So now as you heard that, Jason, do you have any, uh, any ideas like, man, you know, I actually have done with this with my kids before, or, you know, th- this is something that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've tried quite a bit of things as well. Obviously we've, talked about living other places <laughs> mm-hmm. hey you can go live with your aunt or uncle grandparents that we've talked about those before we've talked about you know uh, no phone we've talked no friends we've talked no oh too bad the you slept in so you you know because of how late you were out last night that means you don't get anything the rest of the week for staying out with your friends and you or, yell at them and make it personal Oh, I mean, we just, I mean, maybe at some point we would, we would lose it a little bit, but, um, since we've been listening to you and working with you, obviously we have those conversations that seem to be almost more like it is a negotiation. It's a, we're just sitting at the table and we're saying, and it's usually in private with just the parents, one child. We, we found that when we do it with the whole family, this becomes a real problem, right? Um, it's better to kind of have maybe one family a week, one family night per week where we sit down and say, Hey, remember, these are the rules. This is what's expected. This is what you'll receive when this happens. And, um, and so, yeah, we've, we've tried a lot of them. I would say that I like that. uh, I like that idea of how you talked about the, 
you know, the power out and all those or the electronics are going to be out with the friend around. Like, that's really interesting because you see those viral videos of dads coming in with like a sledgehammer and slamming the TV. Xbox. Yep. Oh, geez, man. Like that's, that's now a core memory for that kid. Even if that dad was a like a 99.9% perfect father, that's the one thing they'll always talk about. And you don't want that to be the case either for us. So yeah, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking we do have some things, some conversations we do need to have, but to realize that we have, I think here's what happens when you have these teenagers, you do slowly have this attrition effect yeah. where you're like, they are breaking us down and this is slowly driving us kind of bonkers and it can drive a big wedge between your marriage. And uh, it's like Star Wars force fields down to 10%. <laughs> it's like, we can only take so many shots. <laughs> and they have so much more energy than us. Just keep yeah. it going. Like, yeah, it's a war of attrition. Just, we're just like, ah, <laughs> so I would, I love the idea of having this approach of walking and saying, Hey, tell us about what you're feeling when you don't make it on time yeah. and how we can, uh, contribute to making it so that it's a positive experience. And this is what we need. And this is what it sounds like you need. I think restating their answer so that they hear what they said. A lot of times yeah. the kids will just say some answer and it's actually not the real thing. It's, it's just something they think you want to hear. Um, well, and, yeah. and a trick to that too, is when you bring this up to them, because if you're in the middle of a fight and I've had parents make the mistake, they try to pull the heartfelt card in the middle of an argument. Cause they're just so broken down. This one mom one time, she's like, just don't you even feel bad for breaking my heart that you're not going to school? And the kid's like, no, I don't feel bad. Now, later on, when things had calmed down, they came to my office, we had talked, and then I said, hey, when you said that the other day to your mom that you didn't feel bad, you're happy that made her sad and broke her heart, I go, did that feel good when you saw her crying? He's like, no, just my whole entire life, whenever... I don't do th something she doesn't want to do, want me to do. She breaks down, she cries, get emotional. And I used to feel bad all the time, but I feel like it's being manipulating me, not in a good way. By the way, I told, I told him, I go, I'm teaching mom how to use healthy manipulation. Yeah. And he's like, what? And then he understood that the old ways of her using the guilt trips is what he called it. Her using that type of manipulation. He said, I become immune to that. And so whenever she gets sad or uh, this, I get really hard and cold. But then after the fact, I feel bad that I made my mom cry. I just don't want to show it to her anymore. So she learned at that particular time that that wasn't the move. But what is the move is when things weren't bad to go up to them and say, hey, listen, I don't want you to worry about me giving you a guilt trip anymore. I'm glad that you told that to David, our therapist. I do want to let you know that I know you as my son. So instead of asking you, do you feel bad? I know you feel bad. So I'm not going to ask you that anymore. I know you don't want to fight with me. And then he was like, yeah, mom, I don't like, I don't, I do feel bad. Wow. That was a huge change. Her approach was she was trying to manipulate, but it wasn't healthy manipulation. It was like, I need you to convince me I'm not a bad parent because she was blaming herself for everything her son didn't do when he was way past that age. He was already like a junior in high school by this point. If he doesn't want to go to school, that's not her fault. Like, I mean, that, it really isn't at that point, right? She wasn't a bad mom. She just didn't know how to manipulate in a healthy way for him to learn something from it. So then after that, he would go up and tell her, say, listen, mom, I didn't go to school today. This happened. 
And just so you know, I do feel bad about it. However, I also know that based upon our agreement, I'm not going to have whatever it is that they agreed upon. So that just goes, you know, the fact that he owned up with it, she gave him some, she was one of those parents, it was hard for her to hold his feet to the fire about anything. So she, okay, so because of that, instead of losing your phone for four days, it'll just be two. So he learned to have healthy manipulation with her in return. He learned that if I go to my mom, I confess, I admit, I show genuine concern for her feelings. I'm not disrespectful and I acknowledge without her having to hunt me down and look on Skyward to see if I was in class or not, but just tell her up front that I actually avoided a lot of my damage. And I think most parents in, in their own way, we say that to our kids. If you just tell me the truth, you're not going to get as much trouble. You're not going to be not in trouble, but at least I see you as a white belt learning to not avoid, to go into the... In, to initiate the issue instead of avoid the issue that you created. Yeah, man, that's cool. And you know, you've talked a lot about the family business and how the kids, especially as teenagers, you know, they're supposed to go out and like bring new information to us to help us as a family to get better. And what what's fascinating is that as our kids do bring this information to us, whether it's, hey, I don't have to be there because that school makes it so easy. I can just make it up. I don't have to, you know, we get all this information. And so then I think as we establish it almost like a business, I mean, if I was a business owner and then an employee shows up every day late, how am I going to hit that head on? And how am I going to nurture that employee through that while still facing some consequences that have already been established? That's an important thing for that employee to get across. And now I can also trace it back if I have an employee like that to some of the ways that they were raised as a child. Yeah. You know, so now we're good, yeah. literally training the future workforce as to how to respond to be a good citizen just by the way that we discuss this type of thing with our child and say, hey, look, you know, we're just trying to give you the best benefit of the doubt and also to get you through a have a great life like if you don't show up for the one thing you're supposed to be at, which is school, and this is a family business and yeah. that's why we want you to succeed in it, uh, there are some consequences for not meeting the expectation and there's some gifts and benefits for when you do. <laughs> you know, I'm glad you brought up the family business model and, and you've seen this with your kids because you have older kids with younger kids. Um, when I talk about the family business model, I tell people how important it is to bring your older kids up into management as soon as possible. And here's one of the reasons why is, and you actually just hit it right on the head, Jason. One of the reasons why you want to do that is because you can bring up an issue to your older kid that you're having with the younger kid. So you're having this issue with the younger kid. Let's say it's about screen time. Let's say it's about not going to school. Older kids do not want their siblings to get away with anything. They were like, what? How come they get this? How They love to make things fair, right? But what it does is it's a great way to expose their own hypocrisy. So let's say you have an older kid that's you know, on their phone all the time. They see their younger sibling. Man, why are they on the, the, the iPad all the time? Older teenagers love to tell younger teenagers how much they're addicted to their devices. It's, it's so ironic, right? <laughs> so then you go to the older kids say hey listen can i ask your help with something you know how you and i would always fight over like getting you to school um you know how you and i would always argue and stuff like that about like screen time whatever i don't want to make that same mistake with you know little susie your little sister could you give me some i mean this seriously could you give me some parenting advice like 
what do you think I could do that would be more effective? Now, as you're, by the way, your kid's going to give you their opinion. They're going to give you their advice because they're tired of little Susie too. So they love to like get little Susie in trouble if they can. And as they're talking, they will smile and they will smirk and they will usually acknowledge. I know this sounds pretty hypocritical because like I need to work on these things myself. And you go, oh, really? You do? (laughs) So how many times is an owner, a boss with a manager say, hey, we need to uh, train these people on all these different types of things. And the manager will sometimes be like, you mean all the things that you used to get mad at me about when I was just an employee? I'm like, oh, did I get mad at you about that? No. Are you serious? See, when we get to higher levels of management of the belt system in martial arts, whatever it is, hindsight's 2020. So to have your teenagers talk about the same issues that they have, but in the, in the situation with their siblings, it's a metaphor. It really is. It's meta communication. Like we're talking about this with us about them, but really it's towards me and they don't feel like you're pressuring them. You're not coming down on them because owners don't talk to managers the same way they do to employees. You have a different relationship. Yeah, man, that's really cool. And we found that with our teens as well. We we had this very situation last night with another issue with the youngest and the second to youngest, you know? So we just said to him, they're, they're about three years apart. We just said yeah. to the older one, hey, can you help us with this challenge that we're having? Because you see it and you know it. And have you ever noticed what role you play in it rather yeah. than you're a part of it. Like you are the issue instead of saying that, do you notice the role you have in this? And do you know that you can make a big difference here? What do you think you could do to help us with this? Then he opens up, tells all these ideas and we're like, Oh, that's more than we even considered. Oh yeah. He he knows the littlest one, the best. Well, and even, even if it's, you could do the same thing. If it's with them, you can go to your kid and be like, Hey, listen, we fought in an argument this, about this in the past. Now, if we're being totally honest, like or you can say, I want you to give me feedback. How can I better motivate you to go to school? See, most parents won't ask for that feedback. Now, before you get their answer, you have to give little uh, disclaimers. Now, obviously, you know, if you say things like, oh, just make, just call me and sick or excuse me every day, stuff like that. I mean, obviously that, that's, that's, I can't do that. But I'm serious, like, what are some things that could, if there was a miracle and you were to be willing to go to school, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm going to force you there and, you know, you know, drop you off there physically in a headlock or nothing like that. But let's say if there was anything that was to motivate you, what would those things be? And if there was a different approach I could take, what advice would you give me? Whenever you ask a teenager to give you advice about how they could better, how you could better help them. Oh, they sit up straight. There, oh, that you wait, you're asking me to tell you how to better parent me. What you're going to get through that is you're going to get some BS, (laughs) you're going to get some good nuggets, and then you might have a gem in there that's like you both have a moment, like you know, maybe that would work. But here's what you do you trick them, healthy manipulation, to being parts of what's going on. See, a big challenge is they're making you the boss. You're the bad guy. You're the person's making them do something. But when you come down their level, say, hey, help me so that I could just come at you differently. So I could offer you something that motivates you better. But then you got to take away the ridiculous stuff. I mean, without obviously me giving you $10,000 or, or, you know, calling you out every single day. But seriously, if there was a way, they may say, well, I don't know. I don't know. It's like, no, I'm serious. Like, I don't want, 
do you want me to go back to crazy mom and threaten to send you to uncle and auntie's house or send you to some treatment center or detention? No. So I'm being serious. Like, think about it. Let's talk about it after dinner. Like, I really want your opinion. And if you tell me some things that make sense, I'll take your advice. Now they're like, wait a second, maybe I do have a chance to influence my parents. So when you're unreasonable as a parent, when you're sitting there, because I said so to everything that they ask, you shut things down, you stop it before it gets started, then you want to go to petition to them and say, hey, be my partner and work with me. It's not a high percentage that that's going to land very well. So you can do it with use your younger siblings, have your teens help you with them, but also have them give you information how to help them. That's another effective tool as well. And that's good stuff. You know, the power of what you've shared is really, it comes down to communication. It comes down to consistency. I think that having these conversations with frequency is important. The follow-up is usually the biggest problem. I think once somebody has listened to something like you've just said, they'll probably go implement it one time and it might work or it might not. Now everything lies within the follow-up. And so are you consistently trying to apply this and have the communication get us to a next level? And so I hope that those that are listening, because I know myself listening, I'm thinking, okay, when am I dropping the ball? I know this stuff. I've got to do it. I appreciate the reminder. Well, and also uh, Jason can bear his own testimony in court of law that the more you blow up, the less you follow up. So (laughs) keep your emotions in check. Like temper your emotions, calm your breathing. Don't go talk to your kids when you're all worked up and you're all pissed off at the end of the day. Cause if you blow up on them, you're so less likely to follow up because once that adrenaline jump, like adrenaline dump falls off, now you start feeling bad or you're just tired or you're like, man, I felt like by expressing my emotions, I made my point. You didn't make your point by yelling at them, by making it personal, and by just fire hosing them with your emotions. You made yourself look unreasonable, unnegotiable, and made you look kind of pathetic. People that lose their temper are not people that are going to get long-term influence over the person they're losing their temper on. No one's going to – you're not going to change your kids' opinions or motivations in the middle of an argument. You're going to change it in a, a calm, collective conversation. And in that conversation, there can still be consequences. There can still be, hey, you know, I, I am, I'm not happy with what you said or what you did. But you can't have that calm conversation if you're all worked up and all geeked up and pacing around. Like, when they get home, when I get home from my trip, I'm going to let them have it. Man, it's just such a cancer that infects so many relationships. It affects marriage relationships. It affects friends. You snap on people. And sometimes people hold that resentment and they will not allow you to influence them anymore. They don't trust that you can handle what they're going through in life. Yeah, man. That's so interesting. And I don't know who the quote is attributed to, whether it's Mark Twain or Abraham Lincoln. It's been said, it's better to keep your mouth closed and let people think you're a fool than to open it and remove all doubt. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) We'll lay down that one. That's very very true and very wise information. So, well, you guys, as always, remember, you can follow us on OG, OG dot therapy, um, on Instagram. You can follow me at dated underscore K O Z L O W S K I underscore. You can follow Jason Hewlett at Jason Hewlett, H E W L E T T. And that's all on, so all on social media platforms, YouTube, we're on OG therapy on YouTube. If you want to follow us on Patreon for five bucks a month, you get 
Uh, shoot, over two and a half years of free content that was, well, not free, five bucks a month. Yet over two and a half years of content that you don't get on our platform, just go to www.patreon.com backslash OG therapy. And you can feast and just binge on all that type of stuff. There's pretty much a lot of questions on there between there and the podcast of a lot of snares and situations to help you guys out through this. And just remember, if your kids aren't going to school, if you're begging, please just get to school. You have a lot of information because you came and listened to your OGs instead of just sitting on your knees hoping that things would change. So until next time, thank you and be cool. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.